This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. Wisdom and tips from our monthly community repair events across London and beyond. If you're enjoying this wonderful podcast. Hello and welcome to Navara FM on Resonance 104.4 FM, London's best and brightest radio station. Unfortunately, James Butler couldn't be here this week, uh, so it's chosen ones only for a show on Labour, anti-Semitism, Corbyn, Judas and all that big furore that's been going on for the past couple of weeks. So... We've seen the reigniting of a fierce debate over anti-Semitism in the left and in the Labour Party in particular, which was sparked when it was revealed that Corbyn, around six years ago, uh, defended the existence of a mural depicting some pretty gross anti-Semitic stereotypes, showing a cabal of Jewish bankers counting money as the people around them suffered and the world burns, that kind of thing. And some people in uh, from the very far right to the centre of the Labour Party have jumped on this uh, to claim that anti-Semitism is a condition endemic to either Corbynism or to the Labour Party or even to the left more generally. And in response to what some people have called opportunism, um, they've uh, some people have sought to dismiss all concerns around left anti-Semitism as nothing but smears and demanding that Jewish people on the left side unflinchingly with Corbyn and deny that anti-Semitism is ever a problem. Uh, This should be said that this largely isn't coming from the Labour leadership, but this prominent voice on the left should not be ignored. So both of these options are, of course, wildly unsatisfactory, leaving left-wing Jewish people kind of trapped, expected to disavow either their political affiliations or to deny their identity in some way, deny their lived experiences of anti-Semitism. And uh, their genuine fears that come along with all of this, um, all of this is set against a backdrop of an, of an emboldened far right across Europe and across North America and a rise in anti-Semitic hate crimes. The debate somewhat shifted uh, on Monday when uh, Corbyn was secretly recorded by the site Guido Fawkes attending the Passover Seder event organised by a group of radical left-wing Jewish and Jewish people called Judas, that's J-E-W-D-A-S, get it? Um, And the press presented this as further proof that he wasn't prepared to listen to the mainstream Jews and that these were the bad Jews or somehow less Jewish or non-Jews. So full disclosure, I have been tangentially involved in Judas for a few years now, which meant that for the first time in my life, I took the bait and I bought the Daily Mail to my shame. But I did need it to frame the headline with which they announced this story, uh, which was, they held a beetroot in the air and shouted, F capitalism. Uh, And since then, the Board of Deputies has uh, denounced Judas as anti-Semites. Essentially, this is all a really big mess. So, to untangle it, we have uh, two fabulous guests in the studio with us today. Hello. Uh, We have Rachel Shabby, who is an author and a journalist. And we have Ian Saville, who is a radical magician. Um, That's a brilliant phrase to say. And a member of uh, Jewish Voices for Labour. So to kick this off, uh, Rachel, uh, you wrote an article where you characterised this controversy as um, gaslighting for a Jewish person who supports Corbyn. And I was wondering if you could unpack that a bit. Like, why why gaslighting? What's your response to um, this whole mess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because everybody has a, a, a contradictory but equally damaging line of attack um, for, as you say, the Jewish community who are stuck in the middle of this um, and being asked to compromise one or another thing, either their sort of political affiliation or their ethnic slash religious affiliation. So on the one hand, we have um, Corbyn supporters straight out deny that there is any kind of problem here, that it's all a witch hunt, that it's all uh, a smear. Um, Anti-Semitism has been entirely and only weaponized to attack the Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, um, which is not true and not helpful. 
And then on the other hand, we have a lot of people um, in sort of British media who are really angry with us, like... Why are you stupidly uh, supporting Jeremy Corbyn when he has brought this raging anti-Semitism into the left as though we haven't been in the left for years challenging this very thing and indeed have been doing so way before Jeremy Corbyn even became leader, just as a random example, Judas, <laughs> the leaflet on how to uh, criticise Israel without being anti-Semitic, came out in 2014, um, when no one had any idea that Jeremy Corbyn was going to be the leader of the Labour Party. Um, and, then, and then, of course, the far right jumps in, because that's what they do. They see uh, a point of conflict and they try and make hay from it. So they jump in and try and stoke, use this sort of wedge of anti-Semitism to, to stoke this kind of poisonous division uh, between Muslim and Jewish groups. So it just feels like everybody has got some beef um, and you're just getting stuck in the middle. Um, plus, you know, looking at Daily Mail headlines like you just described of a Judas event where they're waving beetroots and shouting F capitalism and you're just like, what is going on? Why has everyone gone nuts? And how can we unpack this? Yeah, it is, it is a particularly um, uh, surreal uh, kind of situation because it very much feels as though this debate has become unanchored from uh, the lived reality of um, life as a Jewish person or a person of uh, Jewish heritage in this country, right? Because um, it becomes a, a hollowed out sort of signifier for whatever the other man does that is bad. And I'm curious as to um, the way in which that figures into a pattern of... Uh, of historical anti-Semitism where um, anti-Semitism is just this sort of baggy category with which one can organise uh, uh, things that one doesn't like, things that one doesn't <laughs> want to, wants to um, paint as somehow nefarious to any kind of given political project. And so how do we um, address anti-Semitism genuinely within the uh, left more broadly uh, without doubling down on this sort of on, on this kind of phenomenon yeah well that's a, it's a good question how do we address anti-semitism uh, first of all we don't address it by saying it doesn't exist obviously <laughs> we don't address it by ignoring you know holocaust deniers uh, people who are putting up anti-semitic memes of one sort or another people who are defending that that horrible um, mural uh, that was uh, that was put up and, uh, and and I think we have to say that sometimes mistakes have been made sometimes more than mistakes sometimes you know people have been uh, doing things which which are clearly uh, anti-semitic um, and, and also I think it's important that we actually address the people who are worried about this, you know, the people in Hendon, uh, some, you know, the Jewish people who have sometimes, uh, I, I got a phone call a few weeks ago from a Jewish person who had found my address on the internet and found my phone number and gave me, a, you know, rang me up and said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried about what's, what's happening here. Um, somebody who wasn't very political, somebody who wasn't looking at uh, all the shenanigans that are going on with the board of deputies and so on and and I think we have to accept that there are some that there are certainly there are people who are on the right who are taking advantage of this and using it to attack the left but there are also some people who maybe also some people on the right but some people who are genuinely concerned about anti-semitism uh, and you know we have to we have to not get into that knee-jerk reaction where somebody says oh this is anti-semitic and we immediately say um no it can't be because it's the right wing who are saying it's anti-semitic it can't be you know this is this we we have to tr try and find a way of defending it 
Um, and it's not like the Labour Party is any stranger to institutional or structural forms of racism, right? There is right. this sense, because particularly because the um, Conservative Party at the moment has really gone all guns blazing for a kind of um, pretty ethno-nationalist um, stance on, you know, what Britain is and what British values mm. are and with prevent legislation and all of that, particularly with and Theresa Brexit. May. Brexit, exactly. Um there is this sense that by default, um, Labour occupies a uh, more woke space, if you want. But this is also the party of um, charter flights. Mm. Uh, this is also a, mm. the party who um, pretty much pioneered legislation like, for instance, uh, terror legislation, which uses the logic of Islamophobia to legitimise the further securitization of the state. So we need to be very um, sort of historically grounded, really, in sort of in addressing these problems, even if one is a, a supporter of the Corbynite project. Um, I want to address, sort of jumping off this, the question of left-wing anti-Semitism mm. as a sort of hyphenated kind of category of its own, of its own sort. Because the mm. um, usual the usual response in these um, in these cases, particularly from uh, left-wing Jews, is to point out rightly that um, uh, anti-Semitism is everywhere mm. in society. It's a very very old uh, form of bigotry, and it's very very deeply embedded within quote unquote Christian cultures. Um, but um, there is this question as to whether or not or how anti-Semitism is uh, bound up with some forms of uh, some forms of leftist critique. These uh, particularly personalised, uh, truncated crit critiques of capitalism, and that uh, left-wing anti-Semitism is of a slightly different character than, say, right-wing anti-Semitism. And I was wondering what if you thought that was fair. Um, I think I think that um, yeah, the left does need to be careful in how it critiques capitalism because precisely because of those you know ancient tropes about um, you know Jewish financiers and Jewish elites. You know, and anti-Semitism is is particular in the sense that um, it is hatred that is premised on Jewish communities being both weak and powerful. It's like you're a victim, mm. but you're also some kind of secret money-based cabal um, <laughs> all at the same time. So you, you work for the, you know, the people at the top. You're, yeah. 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 So and, you know, your allegiances or, are always yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But I think there's also, of course, the, you know, the, 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 the pro-Palestinian stance of the left um, which which is a left stance, which mm. is premised on, you know, justice and equal rights and, you know, freedom from a military occupation. That is a, a left-wing progressive stance, but it has become very contaminated um, with anti-Semitism. And there has been, I feel like, there has been a reluctance to fully engage uh, with that and quite categorically separate one from the other. And the reason that I think that it is imperative now is exactly what you were saying about us being in a very sort of ethno-nationalist moment. That's where we're at politically. Uh, in the UK, you know, Brexit is motivated in part at least by ethno-nationalism. When Theresa May talks about citizens of nowhere, that is that is very clearly coming from the same sort of wellspring of as you know the, the whole sort of rootless cosmopolitan terminology again people with, with without an allegiance uh to the state with allegiances elsewhere um and it is very much bundled in altogether that if you're anti-immigration you're you're islamophobic you're an anti-semitic those tend to come hand in hand um, and all be bundled up with nativist nationalism. And if the left is going to counter that, then it really needs to sort out its own anti-Semitism. Otherwise, it will be hobbled in that fight. And it seems like the the sort of 
the Israeli state, both as a kind of really existing political settlement and as a sort of myth that expands way, way beyond that, seems to be this um, force to uh, coalesce these uh, tropes that you point out, those of a double loyalty and of secretly um, working for someone else, because that gives a kind of a form and shape for the thing to which Jews mm. are secretly loyal. Yeah. Um, an organiser mm-hmm. for, uh, for Judas pointed out that um, how fed up she was of uh, introducing herself in uh, left-wing organising spaces as Jewish but pro-Palestine, don't mm. worry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be incumbent on Jewish people here to have to, you know, to, to, to have to explain that they aren't in favour of the Israeli state any more than it should be for, you know, Muslims to, to have to, first of all, say that they're they don't support Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't support either of those places. Um, and from it's encouraging, yes. Yeah, <laughs> from the from the beginning, you know, um, there has been an element of uh, th- there's been a, a division within the Jewish community about that attitude to Israel, uh, and there is a sort of, you know, the relationship between Israel and. Zionist Zionism and anti-Semitism is quite complex. You know, it's it's not. Uh, and and also to just say about um, the Palestinian, um, I th- I think I think Rachel's right that 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 we do sometimes hear stuff from Palestinians, which is uh, from from the Palestinian lobby, which can be stuff which can be not really understanding the situation very well. But this is partly because of the way in which the Israeli state presents itself. When the Israeli state presents itself as the Jewish state, it's not surprising that that sometimes Palestinians, rather than talking about Israel, will talk about the Jews. Because within that Middle East, within that area... That is how Israel has described itself, the state of the Jews. Um, now, I, as a Jew, I don't see myself as aligned with, uh, with Israel. But, uh, and, and I don't support that way of p- characterizing things. But I do understand why it's happened. And we need, we need some more education on that. We need some more understanding among, among Palestinians and, and on the left. Because very too often we are getting these other uh, these mm. other memes yeah yeah i i mean to be honest i i've pretty much stopped using zionist as a mm. term or even you know anti-zionist post-zionism mm. i won't use it to describe myself or anyone else because i feel like it is so corroded uh, that it is now meaningless as a term. It means such wildly different things to different people that it no longer has a function as a word with an understood meaning. Mm. Um, I do think, yes, of course, the origins of um, Zionism, um, you know, being both a reaction to the sort of virulent anti-Semitism of Europe, but also inspired by the nationalisms of Europe at that mm, time. Mm. Yeah, yes, at that time, um, there was Jewish opposition to it. Uh, mm. We saw it with the Bund, which was opposed to it on the basis that they were international socialists mm. rather than, um, you know, nationalist-based. Um, in, in Iraq, where my family comes <coughs> from, um, People were more invested in Iraqi nationalism, which is about which was about sort of getting rid of the kind of the puppet British imposed puppet uh, ruler post British mandate. Uh, there were there were more Iraqi Jewish communists than there were Iraqi Jewish Zionists at that time. Mm. So of course there is that variety, but I think that the bit we're not engaging with is the fact that actually, you know. Most British Jews will now identify and be glad that the state of Israel exists as a Jewish state, even while at the same time, most British Jews will be critical Mm. of the state of Israel's actions and politics. So we do we do need to engage with that reality. And I think that where this comes, where this runs aground is that if you are if you are saying that you are an anti-Zionist because you're an international socialist and don't believe in nationalisms, you then have to explain why 
Israel is the only nationalism that you don't approve of. And that's where we come into trouble, I think. And um, this sort of um, raises the <clears throat> raises the question of um, how we... Um, how we characterise Palestinian nationalism because um, Palestinian nationalism, not that I want to um, uh, parallel the two because they, you know, the two have very, very different uh, genealogies, um, but they did uh, both um, crop up as um, uh, sort of liberation um, nationalisms. I mean, you can criticise yeah. the idea of liberation uh, nationalism, and you know, as I do, but um, uh, the idea of... Um, one um, of Palestinian nationalism uh, coalescing around or against um, colonial occupation from first the Ottomans and then the Brit and then the British Empire yeah. um, as something that um, was sort of um, at one point uh, contesting with these you know um, rising nationalisms that were crop that were cropping up as um, empires crumbled across the world and now that nationalism isn't uh, is you know is very very far um, from hegemonic it's an idea rather than anything that's instantiated mm. within an actual nation state so how do we um, uh, how do we uh, like untangle these different forms of uh, nationalism? One being a sort of a reaction to colonial occupation, and one being a way of of justifying um, that that occupation. And like, do we just do we just totally say that you know we are um, we disavow all all nationalisms? But if you disavow, I mean, that's that's precisely the point, isn't it? You can't pick and choose your nationalisms. Mm. And if you are picking and choosing specifically Jewish nationalism, then you need to explain why precisely. And the other thing is that, you know, the thing you said about liberation movements is that there is a tendency in the left to see the Israeli state as only a colonial settler project. And actually, at the same time, it is also a Jewish liberation project. So again, if you're going to only call it one and not the other, then you need to explain why precisely. What is your political premise for that, as opposed to just your prejudicial premise for that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand. I understand why the Israeli state was set up. And I understand that, that it is... Uh, it's its institution was a response to horrific uh, things that were going on in Europe. Um, and it was a response that the, the, the great powers in the world and the United Nations decided that this was the way in which they could, uh, could bring some restitution to the Jewish people of Europe and the world. Um, but that still... I mean, my my own feeling personally is that I I don't want to ask people in Israel to leave the land or to to go away or to be overtaken, you know, to Just to 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 be um, to disappear, or to, certainly not to disappear into the sea. I mean, I I can't swim personally, so I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be in. We'll throw a rubber that. ring round you, and yeah, you'll be fine. Okay. Well. <laughs> So, and, you know, there's probably a lot of Jews who can't. But anyway, no, I wouldn't want that. Um, but I would want a state. Personally, I'm not, you know, I'm not too, I'm not too uh, great about any sort of nationalism. Um, but, uh, and I, I, if there's going to be a state there, I'd like it to be a, a state that isn't just a Jewish state. I mean, that's one of the things about Israel. That's one of the extraordinary and i'm not sure but i think it's unique uh the, the oh come the on fact, most well, arab countries are primarily they Muslim are states. they are but that, that i you know not all muslims <laughs> have the right not that. all not all muslims have the right to go and live <laughs> no, in no, saudi no, arabia but, you, but, but i have the right to go and live in israel absolutely but i feel like you can't really engage with one without engaging with the other i feel like that's a little no, bit no. of a cop out no i i agree i would like, you know i'd like <laughs> I, I don't i don't agree with any sort of uh religious um, founding so to a state. We, not so even, then we ban all of them rather than just, not ban you know, them, it's not like ban them. I mean, well, we in, oppose in a, all of them. <laughs> in, a long, in the long term, I would like to see, uh, the, you know, the, that we don't have uh, religious states. I would like that. I would like that. But I'm, I, uh, pragmatically, I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen to Israel at the moment. I think probably... 
I, you know, the, the the political situation is difficult. I don't know whether we're going to have a two. But I, I think maybe yeah. when we're talking about um, the exceptionalism or mm. not of yeah. the Israeli state mm. and how that figures mm. into world politics, sort of looping this back mm. around to the um, uh, how anti-Semitism is treated and talked about in the UK and in the UK media in particular. Um, I do think that the the sort of more useful um, exceptionalism lies perhaps in the way that um, anti- the way that in which anti-Semitism and um, anti-Zionism are collapsed into one another or like loyalty to Jewish people is collapsed into loyalty to Israel Mm. does um, function in a unique way because it um, provides a sort of it is a particular ideology that provides a justification of sort of a, like a founding, legitimating myth for um, not only this one particular um, yeah, this one particular state project, if you like, but also plays into other anti- anti-Semitic myths, um, which are a way of you know essentially making the ruling classes invisible. Right, so you mm. um, uh, pretend that. Um, you know, all Jews are loyal to Israel or should be loyal to Israel. Mm. That props up a myth of, you know, we've been we've been saying these um, double loyalties and that somehow um, uh, Jewishness is um, allied with, you know, the machinations of global power in this kind mm. of big concealed way. And as many people have pointed out, um, I can't remember the name of the author who called uh, anti-Semitism uh, the socialism of fools. Yeah. Um, Babel. Uh, oh yes, there we go. And you know, as a foolish socialist, um, I, I object. Uh, I object hugely. Um, but, uh, I only just remembered it. Um, and uh, the w- the way in which um, uh, anti-Semitism provides a kind of racial racialized framework or a racialized stand-in for um, understanding, uh, you know, how power operates. I mean, even Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch was um, using um, Jewish ownership of the media or like, mm. you know, questioning the power of Jewish lobbies um, as a way of explaining what's wrong in our media landscape. And you're like, but you're... But you're you're yeah, but you're, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're the one who's you. got it. Well, but that's that is classic, isn't it? In terms of the the way in which the ruling class has used anti-Semitism uh, in order to deflect from from itself, and populists have used anti-Semitism in order to say, "Well, we're not the bad guys. It's those Look international, yeah. It's, it's it's those horrible people, people who, yeah." <laughs> I think I, I think beetroot is coming for a hard time here. I mean, it's, I think it was actually horseradish. I agree. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it yeah. just. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, in, I'm in the horseradish tendency here. But, um, Radical horseradishism. Yeah. We're having factions yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Based yeah. On I, think vegetables. It's a, I think there's going to be a big split in the future between the beetroot and the horseradish. Groups. Could be the end. Of, but but the, no, that 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 has been a class, and and too often. That has been bought by people on the left, and too often I have seen the memes about the Rothschilds controlling the world. And even I've taught students and have, yeah. you know, have had students in the middle of a drama lesson, <laughs> which I teach, uh, saying, um, "Actually, it's the Rothschilds who control everything. You know, they own all the banks, and um, they're they're in charge of us." Yeah. Uh, so, um, how, know, did, how did put the secret say, get out? Yeah, <laughs> where's my invite? I know, but yeah. I think that this, I think that you're that this is more, it's more wide than the, just the left, isn't it? I mean, this speaks to the more <laughs> wide issue, uh, the pro, the wider problem of anti-Semitism that it is quite deep-seated. I mean, it's not an ancient hatred for nothing, and it is, mm. it is part of the establishment as well. I mean. You know, we're laughing about the Daily Mail with their with their um, double page spread about the beetroot waving people who denounce capitalism. But you know, that's a little bit creepy. And you know, it wasn't that long ago that you know a, a mainstream, respected national newspaper in the UK mainlined, brought into our public conversation in the UK, a pet anti-Semitic conspiracy theory of the far right involving George Soros. Yeah. And people struggled to understand why that was a problem. Now, yeah, that interestingly, was Nick Timothy, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, speak to people, uh, you know, speak to journalists and politicians in, in mainland Europe. They had no problem understanding what that was. Mm. They were like, how did you not realize that you were mainstreaming 
an anti anti-Semitic conspiracy theory like that. This is widely known. Why do you not know this? Mm. But people mm. don't. And, so. and, and not just the fact that it's um, you know someone who happens to be Jewish, but the fact that George Soros himself is is a is a magnet for these uh, conspiracy conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, there seems to be these two these two currents. We kind of seem to keep dipping in and out of, and one is the is the sheer um, overwhelming. Um, ignorance that people you know and I, i've encountered this myself i think in in good faith i think some people just don't recognize these tropes when they see it i mean it's you know it's partly because we're so um you know we're so inundated with them you know it's like a boiling a frog in uh, boiling a frog before it notices <laughs> yeah. what's happening to it um but um also because of our you know huge lack of historical education but there's also this sense of um of the um purpose of anti-Semitism uh, that's running that's running alongside this, and so you know, do you would you diagnose this particular moment of like um, uh, anti-Semitism, perhaps you know, within the left and then more broadly as you know the result of uh, of ignorance, or is it is it something is it something more than that? Um, I think it's uh, within the left. I think I think partly that. Um, and, Conspiracy theories are, are are very tempting to if if you don't if you're not sure what's happening in the world and it's very difficult to really understand what's happening in the world um, it's very tempting to to go go with the idea of there's some big conspiracy going on behind the scenes and people are in control of everything and whether they're lizards or whether they're the Jews <laughs> or whether they're something else. Um, A fun combination of the yeah, two. Jew, Jewish lizards, whatever. Um, that, that it's, it's very easy to say, well, that must be what's happening. We don't know. We don't know what's happening. Um, and if, whether you're on the right or the left, that's, that's quite, a, that's quite a, a tempting uh, conclusion to jump to. Um, because the world is is just so complicated now um, that if you can explain it all, you know, with a thirty word meme, uh, with a picture of a lizard or a picture of a hook nosed Jew, um, that's that's quite uh, easy to do and easy to understand, and and it everything that happens can then be incorporated in that. Everything, every bad thing that happens, you can blame it on the the people who are behind the scenes. So, uh, I suppose it is a, a a matter of ignorance to some extent. It, there's this fine line to tread as well, because um, I mean, it's it's by no coincidence that this is this is tricky. The purpose of um, conspiracy theories really is to is to obfuscate when. Uh, it, when they seem like they're revealing, right? Mm. And the and the um, <laughs> usual response on the left is to say like um, conspiracy theories are uh, come in when structural critiques and more like tangible solutions um, are just not available to people, or they don't resonate for some reason, or you know we failed in our political education. But there's also the um, uh, the sense that you know there um, there is um, you know there is elite corruption. In this country, you know, in the um, mm. in the city of London, there's enormous amounts of uh, money laundering. Mm. You know, um, the Conservative Party is just rife with lobbies and backhanders and people being fired from one department only to be hired into into a lucrative job in in another. Like that sort of attention to the sort of human detail of how these structural forces work does mm. um is is where the is where the lines get blurred and where it's very very easy to slip into a racialized understanding of that that not mm. only conceals the um the impacts of um capitalist power in a kind of general sense but also um lets whiteness off the hook yeah. as mm. well yeah mm. i mean that's that's exactly it isn't it Wh whiteness wins in all this doesn't <laughs> it that's that's the, always seems to be the un end result and it doesn't matter who's being scapegoated and it is very expedient and interchangeable you know is it the is it the migrants fault is mm. it the muslims fault is, or is it the jews fault mm. you know it's it's always somebody else and mm. in in all those scenarios whiteness 
whiteness wins and white control wins. So there is something in that formulation. Um, It makes black Jews very difficult to deal with. Well, 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 for the UK media, certainly. Um, And it makes non-European Jews very difficult to deal with while we're at it. And and yet here we are. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Um, But um, it's particularly when one's uh, wrangling with the um, the distinction between uh, Jewish life and the Israeli state as it currently stands, because um, mm. the Israeli state is, you know, profoundly racist towards uh, Jews within its own boundaries. I mean, there was very few people know about this. God, that's such a hipster way of uh, introducing a sentence. <laughs> Don't know if you know about this, but um, <laughs> there, there was a... Um, uh, a Jewish Black Panther movement yeah. in mm. uh, the 1960s in Israel, um, usually uh, largely led by um, uh, Arab Jews and uh, some uh, North uh, North African Jews. Mm. And you know, currently you don't. I mean, didn't know about that. I mean, I feel like I almost want to out hipster you by saying not only do I know about it, but it's in the book I wrote. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you win, but that's like the ultimate. Like, I'm no, showing no, that I haven't read Rachel's say, book. Isn't it? Give it a little plug. What's your book yeah. called? Oh, it's called Not the Enemy. Me, Israel's Jews from Arab lands, and it speaks to exactly what yeah. we're talking about, which is <laughs> the non-European uh, Jewish population in Israel. Yeah, available from all good bookshops. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, even today, I mean, the, the Israeli government has has recently admitted to sterilizing northern African Jewish women. You know, without without their consent, um, and like the um, effect of you know how we perceive. Um, uh, Jewishness in the UK as like totally an Ashkenazi phenomenon, and mm. somehow this weird like protected species sort of within the bounds of whiteness, but mm. not quite. Um, really, um, uh, really affects the way in which the uh, the media can weaponize it. Right? You can you can portray the um, you can portray the the left or the Labour Party or whoever as racist as bigoted without having to give any ground on you know for instance uh your own like craven stance on islamophobia for instance now that is a a total it stems from a total immigration yeah Mm. exactly Uh, go home vans you know which is fine yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. super tolerant yeah Yeah. (laughs) brilliant come on come on and you know that's not even getting into the you know the fact that some of them uh but again, we're sort of getting into a kind of we're getting into that whataboutery terrain. Yeah. And I understand that the right wing has its racism, but I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of my concern is that the left wing isn't racist. Like I do have a higher standard because yeah, yeah. if the if the left isn't anti racist, then you know, what what is it? It just seems to me so intrinsically part of being left wing. Yeah. That I, mean, I automatically have a higher standard. Right? No, ab- absolutely. I think we should have a higher standard and should have Zero tolerance, or at least, I mean, zero tolerance includes the possibility that you can actually educate people, uh, that that there are some, obviously, people who are really, you know, (laughs) who are saying Hitler got it wrong, (laughs) Hitler didn't didn't finish the job. We're never going to, we're never going to get, get them. Well, uh, no, I mean, there are people who've been, you know, in their teens have been in, um, those Nazi sorts of groups, and have, yeah, and, and have, have moved, moved across. That that has happened, but it, on the whole, those people, if that's an established uh, ideology that they got, that they've got, we're not going to educate them. Um, but there, there is a, a certain a certain area where where people can be educated. Um, but but on the whole, I think we should have zero tolerance for anti-Semitism as for as for other forms of. Uh, of racism, and there should be an understanding of that. The the whataboutery. I mean, the the trouble with the term whataboutery, I find, is that it's it's true that it's too often people say, "Well, what about the right? They've you know they've got their own anti-Semitism, they've got their own racism, they've got their own this, that, and the other." And if that is being used to deflect from what is happening on the left, then that's wrong. Sometimes people are using it to explain rather than deflect. And people are saying, look at these people. They don't, their standards are not as high as ours. Look at, look at what they're saying about 
about Muslims. Um, this and this partly explains why they have come in at this moment. Why they have come in just you know why this has blown up just at the time of the beginning of the council elections. I mean that surely can't be a coincidence that all this began just as the local council elections were were uh, were kicking off in terms of the Perda weekend and so on, the beginning of Perda weekend. So I, I think I think if you just say any other any criticism of the right, any bringing up of the uh, statistics about you know the the levels of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party as opposed to the to the um, Tory Party or UKIP or, or whatever, that's that's not part of this conversation. I think it is part of this conversation to some extent because we've we've got to because it does illustrate that some of what's going on and it is to do with an attack on Jeremy Corbyn and an attack on left-wing ideas. That's not to say that all those people who are concerned about anti-Semitism are part of a right-wing campaign, but it is it is partly there. I think it's it, it comes from okay. So what you do after you've pointed out the um, mm. the hollowness, the sham motivations of people, you know, posing themselves as the defenders against bigotry, you know, Rod Little. Mm. Guido Fawkes, yeah. all these people who no have thanks. absolutely no, no investment, you know, really. Yeah. But um, it comes back to, okay, what's next? As, you know, as Rachel points out, um, it's not enough to be, you know, not as bad as the mm. other guy. It's not enough just to be no. non-racist. And these kinds of anti-racisms aren't just, you know, a point of moral purity or whatever. They're actually what make a left project possible to say that, you know, these, um, you know, these racialized categories of understanding um, your own oppression or understanding how power functions are actually um, not only wrong, not only deeply misinform um, the way we would organize a left project. They exclude the people who make it possible. You know, there's this enormous history of um, uh, left-wing Jewish organizing, you know, right at the beginning mm. of, you know, when syndicates and when trade unions are beginning uh, are beginning to um, appear on the scene, you know, like 100, 150 years ago. Um, but also uh, the fact that when we give ground to these sorts of, um, you know, light touch, dog, dog whistle anti-Semitisms, um, that really plays into the hands of the right. Because when, you know, Richard Spencer, who is incidentally Zionist and mm. white nationalist, yeah, yeah. maybe we'll come on to talk about that, that in Bannon. a bit. Exactly. Mm. When they um, when they come, come along with these absolutely bananas theories about how... Um, Jewish people are um, controlling the world and also this like weak um, sort of nebbish force and you know when people are marching through Charlottesville chanting Jews will not replace us that's um, made possible by the fact that that those tropes resonate, right? They're familiar. They're not just, I mean, I'm not coming along saying that, I don't know, people with green eyes are you know, secretly controlling the world. That it echoes with people because it's mm. it's within the the their framework of plausibility, their framework of mm. possibility. And I, I'm just wondering if you, if you think that the the um, reaction from the from the left and from the Labour Party has been has been adequate, has been to to tackle these things. I mean, I don't think it has been adequate, and that's why I'm so cautious about the. The bringing in like I, I would have a couple of years ago, you know, would have would have said, yes, this is being weaponized as a means to attack Corbyn. But I, I feel hesitant about saying that now because I then feel like it depends what sort of weight you give that, because if then that, if that then gives you a pass mm. and that seems to have been what has happened. You know, we have seen people outright deny the anti-Semitic nature of a, of a mural because they feel like their primary function in this debate is to defend Jeremy Corbyn, right? So I feel, I feel like, you know, the functionality of the weaponization claim is unproductive. It's, it's unhelpful to us if our pursuit is um, to deal with 
anti-Semitism. And as you say, you know, we have to be optimistic in the left. We have to be believe in the possibility of change. We have to believe in the possibility that people can and do change, that, mm. that racism can be eliminated, that anti-Semitism anti can be eliminated, that we can live in a, in a society that is equal regardless of, of, of race or sex or gender, right? So um, in terms of what I, th I, I do think that if anything, what this has shown us is because, because there has been this... Um, reaction from the sort of elements of the Corbyn supporting camps that have just gone, this is just a smear, it's being weaponized, there's no such thing. And some of those responses have in themselves been anti-Semitic. <laughs> I feel like we now can't deny it. I feel like it's been a wake-up call for a lot of people who up until this point may have been slightly disbelieving or dismissive or discounted voices that for some time have been saying, do you know what, we've got a bit of a problem here and we need to look at it. I feel like that is no longer possible. And I'm, you know, I feel like we're starting to see a level and a type of engagement with this issue and a commitment to dealing with it now in a way that we haven't seen before. I think that's right. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to... Uh, be on this end of the argument, but or this part of the argument. But I, 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 I don't. I, I do. I have seen those uh, sorts of reactions, and I, I do think it's wrong to say every accusation of uh, anti-Semitism must be just a smear. Um, clearly, there are anti-Semitic people out there, and there are anti-Semitic people in the Labour Party. Well, the Labour Party is. 570,000 people mm. uh, there are going to be some anti-Semitic people there probably a lot more Islamophobes a lot of racists of one sort or another but but at the, you know in this discussion we're de dealing with the anti-Semites and we don't want to say that uh, you know I, do, I don't want to be drawn into a, 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 a trope that says well anything that uh, that anti that 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 says that people are anti-Semitic must be a smear because it's because it's of advantage to the right. Therefore, it must be a smear. It's possible that it's of advantage to the right, but it's also true in particular cases. We've got to face that fact. Yeah, the, the fact that it would be convenient for Guido Fawkes for there to be um, widespread anti-Semitism throughout uh, the Labour Party does not in fact discount the, f the possibility that there is widespread anti-Semitism no. throughout the Labour Party, right? Like yeah. he, he, he doesn't have that much of a, of a grip on truth, yeah. thank God. <laughs> um, and if you read his page, I mean, after the, after the, uh, the Judas uh, revelations, I looked at that, that page more or less straight away and looked at some of the... Um, some of the comments that were under that story. Yeah, they were And they vile. were, they were absolutely, I mean, they were... It's a sewer, wasn't it? It's the, and the Islamophobia, particularly, uh, but also anti-Semitism of one sort or another was there. I, I noticed by the next day they turned off commenting, but, um, but it was there <laughs> for quite a while. Some, yeah. 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 <laughs> How are you spelling that? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you will always have to ask yeah. now. <laughs> um, so I'm... Um, off the back of that, I want to talk about uh, good Jews and bad Jews. Yeah. So um, this has been the kind of how the debate has evolved in in the past week, in the past few days, um, to uh, essentially decry a you know minority fringe quote unquote uh, section of the uh, uh, Jewish population within the UK, which is incidentally around you know around three hundred thousand people, so not actually that much. Um, as uh, as bad Jews or as somehow less Jewish than uh, the board of deputies or um, these uh, mainstream in Jewish institutions. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like mainstream institu institutions of uh, the UK Jewry, which um, are, you know, we need to confront this honestly. Um, most of the uh, institutions which are um, kind of respectable and, you know, get public platforms and get funding or whatever are ones which um, are, you know, are 
are Zionist. Obviously, that's a complicated mm. category. And within that, that contains a lot of people who are critical of the particular yeah. policies that Israel um, puts forward. But I want I was wondering about what what are the uses? What of this distinction between uh, the good Jew and the bad Jew? Uh, what are they? Well, if you can, if you can have a category of good Jews and bad Jews, then it's possible to choose the good Jews as the ones that agree with you, and <laughs> the bad Jews as the ones that don't. And and then it's possible to say, well, they're not really Jews because they don't agree with you one way or another. And um, it, it, it cuts across uh, ideas of religion as well because the the good Jews can be secular Jews and uh, there can be bad Jews who are religious Jews as as with Judas many of those those Jews are, are you, you know better than I do oh but yeah and those, there's, there's like a rabbi yeah, in there yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it, it enables you to to cut out um, a significant and not the majority but a significant portion of the uh, Jewish population who are making points which are well uh, well thought out about uh, the nature of anti-Semitism, about the nature of uh, socialism, about all sorts of things, and say, well, they, their ideas can be discounted because they are not... Um, they are just a, a fringe, a fringe group, um, which is the thing that's come up a few yeah. times in the past week. They're not, they're not real, they're just a fringe... Um, somebody pointed out that uh, fringes are quite important in Judaism. Right? <laughs> um, Very nicely and, done. You know, the, the fringe on the on the prayer shawl is uh, yeah. one of the things that respect makes it holy. Respect, yeah, respect the yeah, fringe. We should, go, we should go with fringes. It's yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting how much you know. We are in a sort of uh, puritanical, intolerant time mm. generally. Very polarized. Very sort of intolerant. And it's interesting how much this debate reflects that because in the last so in the last few days what has come into the sort of public conversation is a sort of inter-communal community conversation um there are lots of different kinds of Jewish groups in the UK, um, as we were talking about before. Some are more drawn from a sort of international socialist perspective and therefore aren't necessarily engaged with um, a Jewish state. Mm. Uh, there are people who very much are committed to that, but have criticisms of its uh, politics policies. Uh, there are groups that um, don't have any criticisms of its policies. Mm. You know, there are so many different categories, um, you know, and it plays to that kind of, you know, the, the cliche about, you know, two Jews, three, three opinions, right? There's so <laughs> many different things going on. And what's interesting to me is that there is this attempt to police and it, and it is quite sort of purity div driven of like, actually, mm. no, there's only one kind. No, actually, I think you'll find that the board of deputies represents the majority and mm. everyone else is just some kind of minority. And it's it's kind of like it's anti-diversity, essentially. Yeah. It's an anti-diversity position. And it's very un-Jewish, it, isn't Which it? is in itself quite un-Jewish. I mean, yeah, it's very un-Jewish exactly. because, because the whole point about Jewish culture a lot of and jewish religion and you know study of the talmud and all that sort of thing is all about having different commentaries on the yeah. on the world different commentaries on god's law and different you know different and arguments about things so and, many arguments and arguments and, and you know stories <laughs> like, about about uh, the jew who goes to heaven and starts arguing with god you yeah. know you didn't uh, you 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 didn't you why did you do all these nasty things to people you know? <laughs> but I think that kind of picks up on um, something that's been I think um, left out of this conversation is the fact that um, uh, not only like the bare fact of having arguments but also the um, the the way these arguments figure into uh, familial dynamics and mm. um, uh, generational trauma mm. and you know very very personal personal things you know for a lot of um you know for a lot of even anti-zionist jews you know israel isn't just a settler colonialist state it's also where your grandma lives for mm. instance right. um and what has been a point of frustration for myself and a lot of other people i know is that um the uh, sort of spectacle 
is uh, really like contaminating the the possibility of having uh, what are necessarily these quite complex yeah. and and delicate conversations that don't just happen on you know on in the guardian in the telegraph in guido forks wherever they they happen you know with your mum over like a very tense dinner because you disagree over israel palestine that kind of thing um not with my mum thankfully hi mum um (laughs) but with my aunts definitely sorry sorry carol if you're listening (laughs) we'll have to disagree on israel palestine but this is precisely the um the point of this um uh, this smothering it's kind of 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 the debate um the uh way in which uh the the claim to there being one hegemonic uh monolithic uh way of being jewish uh mm. damages um Jewish life, for, you know, even for people who happen to fall uh, within within that category, because it's a way of totally fracturing and um, excluding all kinds of Jewish people. And I think when we bring it back to this point about the sort of, you know, institutional overlap or the relation between Jewishness and whiteness, there is also something more sinister going on um, in the sort of disclusion of um, uh, the bad Jews from mm. like. Uh, from the category of legitimate Jew, because if you think that you know a good Jew is someone who is uh, entitled to public protection, is entitled to inclusion within the institutions of social life, we care about anti-Semitism that happens to the good Jew, for instance. Mm. <laughs> that is very that is very dangerous. That is very dangerous yeah. territory because mm. you know I think like the thing that's been made very clear is how how easy it was. It is to be a bad Jew, like yeah. because it's not it's not in our hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yes, you can you can be integrated into your community. You can be uh, somebody who goes to synagogue. You can be observant. You can be uh, versed in Yiddish culture. You can be versed in all sorts of Jewish uh, culture and ideas, and still politically, you can still not get into the club and actually what is really uh, disturbing about this is that this club is now being policed to some extent by people outside the community yeah that was you creepy know, um yeah it's it's a it's a bit like you know we're going into we're, we're, we're having an argument with our family and friends and then somebody from down the road comes <laughs> along and says and, and comes in on one side or the other and to some extent we're seeing the other bits of the family turning around and saying, "No, you keep out of it. It's all right." I mean, Stephen Pollard, the, uh, oh the, <laughs> the well, the editor of the Jewish Chronicle has defended Judas. Strangely <laughs> enough, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's astonishing. Yeah. But I think that was quite interesting in the way it managed to unite. Mm. Jewish voices. It's a bit like, you know, I can criticise my sister, but there's no way you're going to criticise yeah. my sister. Oh, you know, yeah. It's a little bit like it, that. It united some Jewish voices. Not all, I mean, the Board of Deputies is still you yeah. know, having a go at Judas. But I think that, you know, what you were talking about earlier, I think that that's, you know, that's kind of the, the, the wider point, really, about it being so... Um, it's it's the, the the puritanical nature of it i think is reflecting the puritanical politics that we're in it's this kind of uh rejection of complexity it's mm. re- the rejection of you know hyphenated or hybrid identities mm. or actually quite contradictory identities which is very much people's lived experience that is how we live mm. our lives we are contradictory people we do show up in different places as different things and yeah. with different uh, aspects of our personalities and our politics more prominent. And we do constantly have to navigate and negotiate mm. this of like, you know, disagreements with family that you still ultimately love, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Or disagreement with friends or, you know, holding that political diversity within a broader left movement, right? That is really important and, it's, and an essential part of that movement. Mm. Um, that, I, that I think it, it's like that that is what we've brought to the to the table it's actually really important and it's valued uh that diversity is a good thing and the rejection yeah. of that i think feel like that that is a as a reflection of the the time we're in as well and, and the left can needs to learn the rest of the left needs to learn from that i think i mean it would be good if we if if that sort of culture was more widespread on the left you heard it here first folks 
be more Jewish. <laughs> um, We're taking just, you over. Yeah, start yeah. and finish with that. Yeah, I mean, it starts with me. I'm only um, it's, I'm only half Jewish, and it's on my dad's side. How terrible! That's uh, I think that's um, all we've all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining us for a wonderful conversation, and to our listeners, tune in next week. Thank you very much. You are listening to Resonance FM. One or four point four London. Resonance FM. London's first radio art station. You are listening to Resonance one oh four point four FM. The art of listening. The art of listening. This program has been brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you liked what you heard and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm.